living your story right now in this moment. You know, no two stories are alike. We are all unique. We all have a different lens through which we see the world. We all have something to contribute, to share, to be. That uniqueness takes courage. It's not easy to stand in your truth. It's not easy to let yourself be vulnerable, to be really seen, to be really heard. So many of us hide. So many of us stay hidden. So many of us make the choice to step forward, to own who we are, to own our stories, to share our voice. The tide is turning. We're moving into a space of deeper vulnerability, courage, authenticity, and love. We're moving closer to greater self-love, self-acceptance, honesty, and empowerment. To get there, to get to that space, means we have to authentically share who we are. It means we have to authentically show up as our true selves. The magic is in sharing who you are. The magic is in sharing your story. That's where this series comes in. Own your voice. Love yourself. Stay true to your story. Dive deep into your vulnerability. Shine in your authenticity. Once you do, there's no stopping you. Stay honest. Stay brave. Stay true to who you are. Welcome to Seek the Joy Podcast, the power of storytelling. Our first story for our first episode in this new series comes from Hanan. I feel so honored to share with you her story. Hi, my name is Hanan Bazania, and this is my story of finding my freedom and my joy through the power of my mind my thoughts, and my self-belief. My story starts as a little girl born in a tribal community in the country of Yemen. For those who don't know where Yemen is, it is to the west of Oman and to the south of Saudi Arabia. And I was born in a society that celebrated the births of males and dreaded the births of females. My parents wanted a boy so badly but they got a girl for the third time. And to make it worse, I was a girl who liked to ask why often. When I was six, I moved with my family to Detroit, Michigan. And even though we were in a different country, my parents still practiced the religion and the traditions of back home. My parents, however, struggled to adapt to the changes that came with moving to a new country, especially how their children's view of the world would change and become so much different than theirs. And I was that child. I was the black sheep of my family. And by the age of 10, I was already wearing the headscarf, the hijab, and the abaya, which is a black dress that covered everything that the abaya or that the hijab didn't. This was by the age of 10 years old. And around 12 years old, I started noticing the unhealthy fears my parents had about other people's opinions. There were fears of something happening, something bad happening to their children. The fear of hellfire, the fear of the devil. There were so 
much fear. And that fear caused my parents to have a lot of anxiety, depression, and it was reflected on us, the kids. My parents' fear caused me to dislike the life I had and to seek for a better one. My parents were quite strict. They never let me hang out with friends outside of school. I was unable to express the thoughts in my head that contradicted my parents' beliefs. I was unable to express myself through the clothes I wore. I was unable to read books that opened my eyes in front of my parents but also contradicted their beliefs. They made sure I wore the religious garments, they monitored what I watched on TV, and the books that I read. And most of all, I noticed the difference in treatment my family, as well as society, treated females versus males. I was never allowed to ride a bike because it would break my hymen. My mom, sisters, and I did all the housework through the cooking, cleaning, everything in between. And keep in mind, by the age of 14, I also had two younger brothers who were close in age, one a year difference and the other about three years. And while my brothers were expected to be the men of the house after my dad, the women were expected to cook, clean, get married, and have children. I had no other options available to me but that. And at 14, I started protesting. I stopped doing chores. I refused to do chores until my brothers contributed as well. I started questioning why I wore what I wore and why other people didn't. I started questioning the religion I was raised with, and I started exploring other beliefs. I was also constantly comparing my life to the lives of others. I killed my self-confidence, my motivation, and my ability to see myself as happy. And me exploring different beliefs and wanting to learn about different ways of living and expressing that caused a lot of arguments with my parents and while my siblings watched. And I believe that caused a lot of sibling resentment. And was only, I was the only one that voiced my opinion. And because of that, my father started getting stricter. And he put my siblings and I in Quran school during the summer on the weekends. And while they hoped it would calm my curiosity and questioning, it actually raised more. I remember at 16 in Quran school, my sister asked my female teacher a question about a feminist topic in the Quran. And despite my sister's questioning and the teacher's attempt to answer that question, she was not able to answer that question and inevitably shut my sister up. And that pissed me off and fueled a fire in me. Unfortunately, that fire led to a lot of massive depression, anxiety, low self-esteem, social anxiety, hopelessness, and at one point, suicidal attempts. I felt trapped. I felt trapped in a world I didn't belong I had beliefs that contradicted everything and everyone that I was around. And I found my solace in the books that I read and in the online community that I became a part of. I found it in meeting a big online community of ex-Muslims who experienced similar things to myself. I couldn't hang out with my friends, so I found my friends and my people in the online world. And it was through that that I discovered the secret when I was 16. And this was in my darkest times. I started reaching and reading and watching more about the law of attraction because what else did I have to do? I was stuck at home, unable to do the things and go to the places that I wanted to. I was restricted and I wanted to express myself to my own limits and I wanted to bloom. And through implementing the law of attraction, I was able to pay attention and recognize my self-limiting thoughts and beliefs. 
and recognize that the beliefs that I had now or have ever had were of my parents and not so much mine. And once I recognized that, I took full control of it. And I began to recognize that I was not a curse. I was not a curse set upon my family. I was an inner light wanting to express itself. A positive feeling that wanted to express itself in a world where it's constantly shot down. And by the time I was 18, I had already faced multiple death threats, ostracization, being called the devil, whore, slut, simply because I was a girl who desired for more in a world where a girl's curiosity is a devil's playground. It was through my mindset work, my online community, and the belief in myself and my ability to create the world I wanted, a world where I was fulfilled, happy, and most of all, free. By the age of 19, through using and harnessing the law of attraction and the infinite energy around us, I manifested getting accepted to a university three hours away from home, which was not too close and not too far, a job on campus, and enough grants, scholarships, and loans to get me through the three years that I needed to. I realized right then that I had one control of something in my life. Even if I felt like I had no control externally, I had control of my mind. And that was the beginning of my freedom. My mind gave me the ability to imagine whatever I wanted without parental or religious restrictions. I began visualizing the life that I wanted and I thought about it every day. I stopped comparing myself to others and I redirected my focus towards my goals. I had manifested my way out of a toxic home environment. And I thought I finally found my freedom until I was in a new environment. Even though I left the environment I was in, the depression, anxiety, and fear still stuck with me. It's taken a few years to get myself into a peaceful, relaxed state where I'm no longer afraid of being alone with my thoughts. I have trained my brain to redirect negative thoughts to positive and to pay attention to the information that I ingest because it gets absorbed into my subconscious and that is reflected in my reality. I have also broken the walls that have, that have been built up when it comes to so expressing myself, when it came to having connections with people, when it came to being able to get close to another human being that was not my family. It's been seven years since I left my home. And with my, my siblings, it's good. And unfortunately, my father has disowned me and we haven't spoken in a few years. While I wish things were differently, I wish things were better, I understand my parents and they're only doing what they know best based on what they were taught. They, like myself and many people, are stuck in a generational or ancestral traumas passed down from grandparent to parent to children. And when something comes up that goes against that, Fear and protection are the automatic responses. My parents only knew how to handle it as well as their parents did. And I'm a message to end that cycle. I want to be a message to people that what you believe is true for yourself and your life may not be true. It may only be what your parents or grandparents or whoever is around you has kept repeating to you. Through sharing my story, I have found that there are so many people who were at a place that I was. I've learned that we have so much power over our mind and your life changes when you notice that you have power over your mind. And the only thing that you have control of is your mind. 
It's your internal thoughts and beliefs that you're constantly repeating to yourself and your story, the story that you keep telling yourself. And once you begin to change the story you're telling yourself, your life slowly starts to change and become something that you want once you start telling yourself the story that you want to hear. And my biggest dream, my biggest dream is to allow people and give people the chance to recognize the power within them they did not previously recognize or the light within them that as children was, was turned off. My dream is to cultivate an online community where people who feel rejected externally can feel accepted in this online world. Because in the online community, we find our people that are not around us in our physical world. And my dream is to be able to give people that power and help coach them to become their highest self. My dream is to let people know that their true power comes from in here. It comes from, from their brain, their thoughts, and their desires. And when you fully allow your mind to empower your heart, amazing things can happen. And this is my story so that I can share with you that I can be someone who went from a very, very dark place where everyone picked my decisions, picked the life, the direction of my life. And I prioritized myself and picked the direction of my life. And my belief in myself and in my mind and my thought led me to an amazing life that I would not give anything for. And despite my rough background and my rough story, some people say I'm one of the most positive people they've met. And I want to let you know that it's possible that you have a story and you can create your story. You create the direction and the end of your story. Thank you so much for this opportunity. And I hope all of you find your freedom and your joy within and express it in light. Let your wonderful light shine. Thank you. I am honored to read to you our next story. How I Became Sincerely Spiritual by Sarah Lynn. I've always been tender-hearted, a mediator, and a peacekeeper. I can remember it from a young age. I was a conflict manager all throughout school and decided to get my college degree in psychology, which was really a no-brainer. I've always been intrigued by human behavior and people, and I've always wanted to help in one way or another. I've always been a pleaser, and I realize now how much of that stems from my unconventional childhood. My parents were young when they had me, kids themselves really. They lived in a small town in Northern California. My mom was a wild child with a rebel soul, a tall, beautiful, outgoing blonde who lit up any room she walked into. My dad, a rock and roll loving stoner with long reddish hair, a talented musician, and a true hippie. I am the definition of it takes a tribe and was raised by a big extended family which I loved and wouldn't trade for anything. But that doesn't mean it was always easy or picture perfect. What I do know is that I was always surrounded by love, which I believe is the most important thing. I was raised going to church and learning about Jesus thanks to my grandma, who was always the epitome of perfection in my eyes. And I've been drawn to spirituality since a pretty early age. The first biggest turning point in my life was when my mom suddenly and unexpectedly passed away when I was 18 years old. There's a lot of backstory to her life, but I'll save that for another time. I remember falling to my knees and everything going blurry. I know I blocked a lot of it out and was always more concerned about my sister, who was six at the time, more than myself. 
I've lost a lot of people in my life, some very tragically. And I think that when that happens, it makes you curious about where they are and where we go after death. I was always naturally drawn to the meaning of life anyway, but the circumstances surrounding me just elevated it. Through this, I realized how emotionally strong I was. Maybe to a detriment, I had to subconsciously put a wall around my heart in order to keep going and survive. I moved away a couple of years later to San Diego. I put myself through college and just figured out life as I went. I've had friends that have been with me my whole life, and I was with my ex-husband for 16 years, on and off, since high school. The story of my relationship isn't all negative. It was a growing experience. It's something I'll never regret or wish I could change. We had the perfect life on the outside. Almost no one knew there were any problems at all. I'm very good at putting on a happy face. But sometime in early 2015, I started to feel like I was changing. I was evolving and seeing things differently. I remember vividly one day hearing a voice in my head say, Do you want a life that looks good on the outside or one that feels good on the inside? I know that no one's relationship is perfect, but there were things I was realizing about mine that I started to feel like I couldn't live with anymore. We had been married for only a couple of years. We had purchased a beautiful home, both had good jobs and nice cars, but inside I slowly started to feel like my soul was dying. This was new for me because I'm a happy person, extremely loyal, my eyes never wandered. I never even thought about anyone else or a different life at all. This was more about something I was feeling on a soul level, in my gut, and the pool started to get stronger. One day, I randomly made an appointment with my friend's intuitive healer, not even really understanding what it was at the time. Little did I know that this conversation would be a pivotal moment in my life. This lady whom I had never met seemed to know things and was explaining things to me that I already knew on some level in a way that made absolute sense. She said to me, it's time for you to find your voice and so many other life-changing things that made me stop in my tracks and really start to think about who I was and what I wanted out of life. I started reading, learning, and listening to everything I could get my hands on that was about life, self-help, and spirituality. My nickname from almost everyone was always Sweet Sarah, and my friends knew how much I loved good energy, so this wasn't completely out of left field for me to do. My ex-husband called it, quote, my journey, and I knew it made him uncomfortable, but he was never going to be a person that listened or tried to understand. It was just going to pull us further apart than we already were. Now, there are many ugly details I'm leaving out here, only because they aren't totally necessary for you to understand my story. But just know, as time went on, it got worse, not better. I tried and cried and soul-searched for a good year before I absolutely knew that it was over. I knew the situation would never change. It was time to go. I can't explain how, I just knew I was starting to hear the call of my soul so loud that there was no ignoring it anymore. Leaving this relationship was the second biggest turning point in my life. And don't get me wrong, I wouldn't wish going through this on anyone, no matter the circumstances. It was gut-wrenching to leave behind basically all I knew for my entire life. It was beyond painful and scary. But bigger than all of that, it was time.
When I moved out and got my own place, I would be living by myself for the first time in my life. When I finally got settled, it was like a wave of peace rushed over me. Despite the hard parts, again, I knew this was the right decision. Living alone in my own little peaceful, girly haven for the past year and a half has given me the space and the time and the ability to really get to know myself in a new way. This has led me to living life from a place of truth and helped me to figure out what it means to follow the calling of my soul. This has woken me up and made me see the hard truths of my life and take a good look at the people I've surrounded myself with and why. I finally put myself first and it has been absolutely liberating. I do feel like I'm a totally different person. I now understand on a deeper level why we have to go through lessons in life. I understand now what it's like to have healthy relationships and have people that support you no matter what. I'm not settling anymore and it's the best feeling ever. I'm choosing to do the work and continue to look forward instead of feeling sorry for myself or comparing my story to anyone else. People that know me notice the difference in me, and I love it. I'm choosing to live an inspired life in all areas, and with that comes a lot of change, which we all know can be scary, but I'm still choosing to step out in faith and take chances. Of course, I still don't have it all figured out. Of course, I'm still learning every day, and I continue to challenge myself to do things that I never would have dreamed of before, but this has now become my passion. I can't stop, nor do I want to stop expanding who I am and discovering the truths of life. So, what have I learned by going through these challenges? What I've learned is that everything is happening for you, to help you grow, to shape you, and to enhance your experience in life. And sometimes with that comes some hard stuff, like having to let go of certain comforts or things that no longer resonate with you. You'll know what this is by the way you feel, and it's so important to care about how you feel. I know that who we are is a soul having a human experience. We are all one. We are an extension of the universe and God, and our natural state is pure love. We are here to learn and grow and continue to live our truth and find our gifts so that we can share them. I know that it's never too late to start over or make a different choice if the path you're on isn't working anymore. Trust yourself and listen to your intuition above all else. We have the power over how we choose to view life and our circumstances. We are co-creators and we are here to make a difference, to find our voice and speak our truth. It doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. People will never totally be able to understand things through your unique perspective. But the clearer you get, the less that will matter. We are all vibrating at a frequency that will naturally attract the people and situations to you that match wherever you are. This world can be tough, but if we just continue to be seekers of knowledge and open ourselves up, we will learn that we have all the answers already. Everything you need is inside of you. It will never be found looking outside yourself. So, my hope and biggest dream is to inspire others, to know that you are always supported, you are always loved, and you are never alone. You are strong enough to make it through whatever life has in your path. And in being vulnerable and sharing our stories, we can give others permission to do the same. Nothing about life is perfect. It's all about learning from what you go through and being introspective enough to ask, 
How can I continue to be the best version of me? And what is this trying to teach me? No matter what you face, you have the choice and the power to keep choosing love and hope and happiness. And I hope you do. Sending you so much love, Sarah. Our last story for today's episode of Seekly Joy Podcast, The Power of Storytelling, comes from M. Keen. I'm honored to share her words and her story. Hello, good evening, good morning. Whatever time you're listening, hello. I'm so happy you're here. My name is M. Keen. I'm a yoga teacher and a writer living in Cleveland, Ohio. I'm super excited to be a part of the Seek the Joy podcast. I'm an avid follower on social media. I love what you're putting out there. So thank you so much, Sydney, for having me be a part of what you're up to. I feel really happy to be here. I've been thinking over the last couple of days what I wanted to talk about in regard to sharing my story and talking about joy and how it has shown up in my life. And what has very strongly come to mind is that there are two very distinctive mindsets around joy. The first being joy is something that will either come to me or it won't come to me. Here I am just sitting here waiting. Come on, joy, any day now feeling envious of the people who just seem to have been born with effortless happiness flowing out of their pores with zero effort on their end. Man, I wish I was born happy like her. The other mindset is joy is something I create every single moment, every single moment. Not when it's easy, not when I'm hitting every green light on the way to work, Not when my boyfriend makes me a delicious breakfast in bed. I'm not saying joy doesn't take up a lot of real estate in those moments, because it absolutely does. I call these moments bliss, easeful joy. But joy can be found in the traffic jams and the arguments, the conflicts and confusion. There is so much of all of that. And even right now, as I sit talking to you, I'm looking at my wall and I see that one of my pictures that I hung is very crooked. And for a minute, I'm like, damn it, I suck at hanging things. Everything I hang is always crooked. But I'm looking around and I can think, damn, that's a beautiful photo. I'm so glad that I have something like that to hang in my apartment. I have a beautiful space. I'm so grateful. Every moment we are alive and breathing, we are living in duality. Standing in the middle of two realities to live in, And this is very important to realize. The accessibility of happiness is so much greater than we even realize until the moment we decide to really see it. I don't want to over glorify this, but with each complaint and celebration, there is its opposite, jumping up and down in the corner across the room, begging for your attention. And that little monster across the room, unfortunately, doesn't go anywhere. But with mindful dedication, we learn to coexist with it. We learn to mute it. And the strings that tie us to either mindset we choose to swim in are cut. And we begin living in complete control over the quality of our mindset and the overall quality and contentment with the life we are housing ourselves in. All of my life until about age 22, I was incredibly unhappy. I felt like a victim to my own life. Everything happened to me, and I had no control over the amount of good that I had in my life. 
there's something very crucial missing when living in that mindset personal accountability. I didn't think that I had any control over the quality of my life and what was in it. People, jobs, relationships, experiences, everything just was what it was and that's just the way that it is. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. What I learned later is that this feeling of having no control led me to having no control over my choices, easily distracted and guided by the thoughts, opinions, and persuasion of others. It became this self-fulfilling prophecy of, I have no control over my life. I then become controlled by external influences, which then led to a deeper, more ingrained feeling of no control, thus proving to myself that I have no control, and so on it continued. This led to a lot of destructive behavior patterns. I was really deep in a fast lifestyle. I was working a very high demanding sales job, working 70 hour work weeks. And my escape was going out with friends, drinking to blackout, and actively chasing anything that felt like a tiny resemblance of love. Because I lacked any personal accountability, I didn't put any thought into what my choices were attracting into my life. I was lost, unhappy, and feeling without hope. I had the mindset that people sucked, everyone only looks out for themselves, and I didn't have a positive outlook at all for my future. I felt limited, stuck, and deeply, deeply unhappy. I'll never forget the morning I woke up from what felt like a lifetime of being in a coma. Call it God, the great unknown, source, whatever you want to call it. But as clearly as I can hear the sound of my own voice in this moment, I heard a message of guidance I didn't realize I had been desperate for. It said, Em, you are better than this. This is not your path. You think everyone sucks because you're actually surrounding yourself with really bad people. You have no hope for your future because where you choose to spend your time is holding you back from the life you're meant to be leading. You need to make a change right now, today, or things are not going to work out well for you. It's time. You know that it's time. That morning, I took the first honest look at myself I had ever taken. It was not easy. It was messy, uncomfortable, and very disappointing. I chose to listen to that voice. And for the following two years, I went through a period that at the time felt like utter and complete loneliness. I took a look at each person that made up my inner circle. Who are they? What choices do they make? Do I wanna be anything like them? Do they inspire me to be a better person? Where am I spending my time? The answers to these questions led me to walk alone. For two years, I felt like I had no friends because I actually didn't. But those friends weren't really my friends to begin with. They were never looking out for me or having my best interest in mind. The fact of it is, I had been alone for a long time and was so veiled by the parties, alcohol, and wild lifestyle that I never even realized it. It was hard. It was really hard. And it would have been easy to stick to the road I was on. It's easy to let parts of you deaden. It's easy to live blindly, not taking accountability for the way your life is. It's easy to play the victim card. 
So moment by moment, day by day, I made better choices. I stopped going to bars. I stopped drinking. I became hyper-selective in who I chose to spend my time with. Something really crazy started to happen as I grew consistently unwavering in my pursuit of a quality life. The more positive choices that I made led to more positive experiences. I slowly started to meet some really incredible people who were living their life the same way. I was starting to find and build my tribe. I started practicing yoga, meditating, and taking care of my mind and body. I met a girl who opened my eyes to what life can look like when you are intentional with every breath. Shout out Laurel Harrington. (laughs) Love you, girl. I was curating joy every day. I was building my tribe, and more importantly, I was building my life. Fast forward seven years later, and it's hard to believe how far I've come in my own mind. Absolutely everything in our life is a choice. Show me where you think you're stuck in your life, be it a relationship, job, or circumstance, and I'll show you where you're holding on to fear. Fear of failing, fear of being alone, fear of what if what I'm feeling about this relationship is wrong? What if things really aren't that bad and I'm just being negative and things will eventually pan out just fine? Through these last seven years, I've been slowly collecting my truths. Who am I really? What are my values? How do I show up for others? In these truths, I'm able to observe when I'm staying on course toward the life I want to lead and when I'm going astray. There are a lot of opportunities for distraction, confusion, and reasoning with ourselves when faced with temptation. I am very much a work in progress, and that work never ends. This is a lifelong journey to explore the inner workings and capabilities of a mind. What I found helpful along the way are a few non-negotiables that have become my shield. These are things not up for debate. When faced with the confusion of option A or option B, with this way or that way, my non-negotiables ensure that I stay headed in the direction I want my life to go and keep me protected from being persuaded into the never-ending temptations, both subtle and large. I hope that you'll be open to trying one or all of these non-negotiables on for size, adjust them, make them your own, and watch how simply bringing awareness to who you choose to be in each moment can drastically change the course of your life. You have more control than you believe. You deserve to make choices that support your growth, and you are so ready now. Boundaries is a big one. This is the grade A non-negotiable. And this will show up differently for each person setting them for themselves. Boundaries can be as simple as learning to unapologetically say no. To not look at putting yourself first as something negative or selfish. Your friends are going somewhere you're not comfortable going. There's a toxic conversation you've been invited to engage in. Someone is treating you in a way you do not want to tolerate. Say no. Don't go to the party. Exit the conversation. Tell someone what you will and will not stand for. 
You are your own gatekeeper and guard dog. If you don't respect who you are and what you value first and foremost, no one else will, and you'll continue to feel like a rug in an entryway getting walked over and dirt smeared on for the rest of your days. Grab a piece of paper. Write down what you value, what things bring you joy, what make you feel impactful and motivated. What kind of people make up your dream tribe? Who do you see yourself being for others? How do you hope to leave an impact? Write all this down 20 times, 100 times, until the picture of who you want to be and how you want to live are so clearly defined as undeniable truth that those moments of living in duality, this option versus this option, become less conflicting as the yes and the no become obvious. The next non-negotiable is curiosity. To be in a constant state of wonder is to be in a constant state of learning, is to be in a constant state of growing and evolving, and so on it goes. Regularly throughout the day, every day, I'm checking in with myself with intense focus. This practice gets exaggerated in moments of stress, anxiety, and angst. Okay, Em, you're feeling a little uncomfortable. How are you letting this affect you? How are you showing up for your closest people when you're not feeling your best self? Are you making your problems other people's problems? What energy are you putting off right now? How can you shift? When I catch myself not being my best self or feeling impossibly deep in doubt or confusion, I own up to it to the people I trust most. This looks like, hey, I realized I was not being my best self back there. I was feeling pretty frustrated about X, Y, and Z, and I really let it get the best of me. Sorry I showed up for you in that way. With conversations like this, I am able to grow because I've enrolled someone in an opportunity to be better within myself and have the support of a loved one reminding me that I am supported in my growth. This curiosity shows up most for me in my moments alone, whether it be in traffic, dealing with a difficult teller at the bank, navigating how to approach a disagreement. You can become so curious that you develop the habit of always finding ways to do and be better next time. Coming up to bat a little more prepared to swing with each uncomfortable situation that may arise. I encourage you to be courageous enough to witness who you are, owning it, really owning it in every moment. You'll be surprised how far this practice alone could take you. The last non-negotiable is a doozy, authenticity. Isn't it weird that it's hardest to be who we naturally are? It's like our entire adolescence and early adulthood teaches us all the ways we aren't good enough and all the things we need to change about ourselves to fit a specific mold. Then as we gain awareness and we go through the process of unlearning all the ways we aren't enough as we are and relearn who we actually are and that that is perfectly enough. Your gut is an electrical center and it gives the subtlest zaps that remind you when you aren't being authentic. Here's the thing, there is always going to be something to compare yourself to. There is always gonna be someone more fit with a more proportionate face shape or thicker hair or a more put together life than you. And the problem becomes when all that shapes your own value and self-worth. If you spend your life trying to be like other people, you might as well walk around with a sleeping bag over your head and relinquish all your talents, passions, and curiosities for another person to have. 
every breath taken and a thought of how you need to be more like him, her, and them puts another mile in between the life you are living now and the life you want to live. It puts another mile in between the people you want to be connecting with and the purpose you hope to lead. Your superpower is that no one else is you. Hone that shit. Be authentically you. If someone doesn't receive that with open arms, good. One more open seat for the people dying to have a spot in your corner. This makes me think of a quote by Brene Brown. She says, True belonging doesn't require you to change who you are. It requires you to be who you are. So simple. Just be who you naturally are, unapologetically, and really believe that that's enough. Joy is something that is created every day through the choices you make, what you stand for, and what you choose to be a part of. You are never too far down the wrong way to turn around. You are never in the dark so long that you forget how to find the light. And you are perfectly capable, deserving, and ready to grab the life you've been wanting to live. Be bold and courageous enough to believe that the joy you wish you had has been jumping up and down in the corner across the room, begging for you to grab it by the hand and dance circles through the living room. You've got this. I believe in you. Thank you for listening to my story. If you can relate to anything I've shared today, reach out. I'd love to connect. You can find me on Instagram at m underscore keen. I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks for listening. And thank you, Sydney, for having me on your podcast. Namaste. This is Seek the Joy podcast, the power of storytelling. Join us. Share your story. For more information and to get involved, visit SeekTheJoyPodcast.com. This series airs the third week of every month. And make sure to join us for Seek the Joy Tuesday. Until then, thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your bravery. Thank you for your joy. Thank you for being here. And thank you for listening. Thank you.